guess there are some people who know who Candace Owens is. I don't. Now, you've heard me talk about this before, about how I don't know, like I've been on a lot of shows with like Michelle Malkin and other conservative pundits who tell me that liberals come up to them when they're out to dinner and start yelling at them. And I keep thinking to myself, how do they even know who they are? You know, I mean, I, I don't think liberals know who I am because I'm mostly on in conservative media. I mean, I guess some liberals who know me just through liberal politics and progressive politics know who I am. But for the most part, they don't know me. Conservatives know me, and they often come up to me and uh, are very impolite. They're, you know, they, I see you on TV. Can I take a picture? I disagree with everything you say, but I really love the debate. I get that often, uh, especially lately. But I don't get people protesting me. I mean, look, I get a lot of crazy emails. I get a lot of death threats on email and Twitter and other things like that. And by the way, you can follow me on Twitter, at Christopher Hahn on Twitter, at Christopher Hahn on Twitter. And I'm Christopher Hahn NY on Instagram. I, I figured it out what I was on Instagram. I got to start doing more Instagram. Um, so I have always been dubious when I hear these claims from conservatives about being attacked by progressives when they're out with their families and out to eat. So on Monday, I was asked to come on the Ingram Show, as I do almost every Monday now. I come on Laura Ingram's show, and uh, I talk about whatever's going on that day. And what was going on that day was uh, Candace Owens and another conservative po- p- uh, pundit, Charlie Kirk, who I do know because I've debated him on, uh, on Ingram and on other shows, were having breakfast in Philadelphia, and they were attacked by a mob of Antifa, uh, you know, radicals. And I watched the tape of, of the protest against them, and I watched it over and over and over again before I went on the show. I, might, I probably watched it like 10 times. No, not, not exaggerating, America. 10 times. I watched it 10 times, and I said to myself, did this really happen, or was this set up? And the thing that, that first made me think that was the protesters themselves, they had a chant that they were doing uh, outside the restaurant, and it was one, two, three, F the bourgeoisie. I won't say what they were really saying. You could fill in the blanks. I'm on over-the-air radio. I don't want to get a fine from Trump's FCC. So one, two, three, F the bourgeoisie, and then they did four, five, six, F the bourgeoisie. And my thought was, wait a minute. This protest is so, this, this group is so well-organized that somebody could see these two people recognize them. Okay, Charlie Kirk to me is just a nondescript Republican male who is a non-threatening talking points Republican. I didn't know who Candace Owens was. But this group is so well organized, they could see these two pundits in a restaurant, call their friends, get them outside within 15 minutes to be protesting Charlie Kirk and Candace Owens Yet they weren't good enough to come up with a chant besides one, two, three, F the bourgeoisie, four, five, six, F the bourgeoisie. I mean, I, I would have come up with like five or six different things for four, five, six. If, if one, two, three was F the bourgeoisie, you know, I, I, I don't know, uh, um, four, five, six, um, something else, right? I mean, I, you fill in the blanks, America. So I go on Ingram, and I'm not like, you know, shot out of a cannon. I don't think people, and I've said this before on this show, guys, I've said it on national television. I've said it on national radio programs. I've said it all over the place. I've said it in speeches. 
I'm not for this culture of just attacking people wherever they are. I don't like what Maxine Waters said a couple of weeks ago when she said, don't let them go buy gas, blah, 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 blah. Especially pundits who are just giving an opinion, right? I mean, if you want to walk up to an elected official or a public official when they're out, they work for you. You know, they should be courteous and polite and maybe direct you to their office or whatnot. But attacking pundits, I mean, you know, go protest their speech if you want. I get it. Go stand outside the speech and rally if you feel that that's going to make a difference. That's your right in America. But attacking somebody at breakfast, uh, you know, breakfast is the most important meal of the day, America. Please let them eat their breakfast, okay? It's the most important meal of the day. Although I have been talking to people about this intermittent fasting thing where you eat dinner at like 6 o'clock and then you fast till like 1 o'clock the next day and skip breakfast. I'm thinking about it. Uh, by the way, I got a new person here, Amanda, uh, working because Mike... Mike B. is at a bachelor party tonight, America. He's at a bachelor party doing all sorts of uh, devastating uh, things. But I'm thinking about intermittent fasting because I'm getting old and, I, you know, I can't lose the gut like I used to. You know, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm only 10 pounds heavier than I was when I was in high school, but it's all right in my gut. You know what I'm saying? So somebody says to me, why don't you intermittent fast? I go, intermittent fast? What is that? And they told me about it. I'm like, well, I could definitely skip breakfast, but I don't know if I could skip my morning coffee. That's the problem. I would be a mess without that coffee. I don't know. I don't know if that's how that works, but I, I guys drink a coffee on the side of the break. So we've got a new person. But let me play for you my little clip on uh, Ingram uh, from Monday night, which, which started a Twitter storm like I've never had. It, it got picked up by multiple news outlets. I was mentioned in the Washington Post for the first time in my life. I was mentioned in Newsweek. I've been in Newsweek before. Philadelphia Inquirer wrote about me. A bunch of other uh, internet sites that regularly write about pundits, and I've been on in a couple times, but not, never all at once. Like, they all wrote about me at once. There was, like, 25 stories about this, and it started a chain of events. So why don't you play number one for me? I, I don't support this kind of protesting. I want to be very clear. I, I think protesting is important. I think it should happen. I think there's a time and a place for it. Going to where people are eating breakfast, I don't think that's the time or the place. That said— I was very dubious on this protest. I don't know how these people found uh, right. Charlie Kirk and, and Miss Owens, Candace Owens, in Philadelphia. I'm suspicious of this, whether or not this is real or not. I'm not saying I know for sure. I don't. But it's kind of weird to me. They're not exactly. Look, Laura, you're a much bigger star. You could go out to breakfast and nobody's protesting you. Uh, and so I'm a little, like, dubious on this whole thing. But this kind of protest shouldn't happen. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, we also shouldn't have a president who's out there calling the, the media the enemy of the people. That is a real, a real problem in America. And I think that everything's got to calm down. We've got a debate like we're doing right here, right now. Dan and I disagree on just about anything. But I love Dan, and I enjoy debating Dan, Dan about issues uh, that affect America. And I think this that's is, the kind of discourse yeah. we need I, right now. What I think not, this not, not yelling and screaming. Yeah, I think what Dan was getting at is... All right, so by the way, there's two firsts happening right now. That's the first time I've ever played a clip of myself on my own show. And today's the first day we have a female producing the show. So we finally, the Chris, the Chris Hahn show has finally uh, crossed the gender barrier line and had a have a female producing the show. I think two weeks ago when Mike had to be somewhere else, I had a, a, a underage person producing the show. He was like 19 years old. And, and this is the first time I have a female. So congratulations. You're breaking barriers. You're breaking barriers, Amanda. I'm glad you could do it. Do you want to say something to the world? Thank you. Oh, yeah, and she can't work the mic, America. Here we are. We get the first female in here. She can't make the microphone work. I, I, look, 
other female producers, I wish you well. I, I wish Amanda well. She's doing great. Something wrong with it. Look, it's not her fault. It's, it's whoever manages the equipment in here. She pressed the right button. But the guy, the man, America, who went, it's probably a white guy, the white man who put that mic together didn't put it together right. So anyway, we got a, we got a, we got a man on the other side of the glass tonight because uh, Mike B is at a bachelor party. He thought, his, he thought his friend's bachelor party was more important than Chris Hancho. I doubt he's missing the Biddleman show on Saturday night uh, for Sunday night for his friends at 7.30 p.m. He catch the Biddleman show. So that was, the, that was the clip. Pretty mundane. Didn't say much. Dubious. I had questions about it. I had serious questions about it. I didn't get the mechanics of it. I wound up going on a Kill Me show, which is right here on 103.9 FM uh, on Tuesday with Candace Owens. Turns out, America, Candace Owens is quite well known. <laughs> She's got about 700,000 followers on Twitter. About 500 of them now follow me uh, after her and I got into a little bit of a Twitter war which we ended on, uh, on uh, Kill Me show on Tuesday. I spoke to her. Uh, she told me she had nothing to do with setting that up, that these people follow her around the country. Look, I have no reason to believe that she had anything to do with it, okay? But it's still strange to me. You know, the, the protesters were very uncoordinated. Uh, they, they, for, for a group of people that could get there so quickly, to not have a chant was weird. And they were screaming. I get it. You know, I, I know that the right-wing media during the Obama years made a big deal about this new Black Panther Party, which were two guys dressing up in a Halloween costume, giving out pamphlets at a vote, voting booth in Philadelphia during the 2008 presidential election. They, they tried to scare America. And now I think their new scare America tactics, they got two of them. They got MS-13, which is a real gang, which is a real problem. But it's not a problem for everyone and everywhere. MS-13 is, is one of their big scare tactics. And the other big scare tactic is Antifa, which they are trying to pin on the entire left. They are trying to say that everybody who's a progressive in America, every Democrat in America, sympathizes with Antifa. And that, America, is not true. Okay? First of all, I am dubious about the size and scope of Antifa. I think that Antifa is more a creation of the right than an actual movement on the left. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, America. There might be small groups of people who are Antifas around the country. Great. But they are often called violent protesters, which I haven't seen. Even in this clip with Candace Owen. Now, they were rude, and they were definitely out of line, those protesters. But they weren't violent, and they poured water on um, Charlie Kirk's head. I almost felt like Charlie Kirk leaned over so he could do it. it, it, it look, you got to watch the clip. Go to Candace Owens' Twitter feed. She's got like a million followers. Turns out that Kanye West once said about, uh, about Candace Owens, uh, I like the way Candace Owens thinks, and that blew her up. It actually... It actually led to the whole Trump-Kanye thing because Kanye said, what are you talking about? I have tiger blood just like Donald Trump. And Candace Owens was the start of that. I didn't know that because I don't follow Candace Owens. I talked to her on the air. She seems like a very intelligent person. I actually watched her. Now I can't get it on. Now I can't stop seeing her everywhere now that I know who she is. I was made fun of on many uh, radio shows that I called into. And I, well, I was actually on Tom Shalhoub's radio show yesterday and... Uh, he was making fun of me, calling me an old man, even though he's five years older than me, that I didn't know who Candace Owens was. So 
Anyway, that's my story on Candace Owens, but it's a bigger problem here. And I want to kind of use this incident to just talk about how the right is trying to paint the entire left with one brush. And if you want to get on this conversation, America, 631-451-1039 is my number, 631-451-1039. Even when I was talking to Candace Owens on Brian Kilmeade's show the other day, Candace Owens was saying to me, well, you never get attacked by people because there's no crazy people on the right, only on the left. That's not true. First of all, I don't think the people who send me tweets or emails threatening my life, saying horrible things to me, I don't really consider that the right. I consider that a crazy person. Candace Owens and everybody else on the, on the right should say, well, when these people are doing crazy things to me, that's not the left doing crazy things to me. That's a crazy person doing crazy things to me. To try to paint the entire opposition party as crazy and violent, which is really what's going on here, America. There is this demonization of the left by the right. And by the way, sometimes there's a demonization of, demonization of the right by the left. But the right has been very on message very much on message, to try to demonize the left and say that we are violent, that we are overly aggressive, that we are out front. I mean, look, read my emails. Read my Twitter feed. Listen to some of the calls I get here sometimes. We got people on both sides that are not, not really part of either side. They're crazy. And I was saying this yesterday. You know, people who are going to go and protest you at breakfast, if that really happened, it probably did. I don't know. But people are going to go protest you at breakfast and scream in your face and blow a whistle in your face. They're not there for any cause or any movement. They're there for themselves. They're not part of the left-wing movement. They're part of their own movement. They're part of doing their own thing. They're not here to, to advance progressive causes. They are here to advance themselves and to deal with other personal issues they might have. You know, I mean, look, Charlottesville was a nightmare. We're approaching this weekend is the anniversary of Charlottesville. Those were right-wing protesters, right? The guys carrying the torches saying Jews will not replace us. The name of that rally was called Unite the Right. Do I think that all Republicans subscribe to that? Absolutely not. Do I blame all Republicans for the right-wing nut that drove his car into a crowd of people killing somebody in Charlottesville? No, I don't blame them for that. Do I blame all Republicans for the gunman that shot Gabby Giffords and a crowd of people right after the 2010 midterms? The Tea Party wave, one of the few Democrats to survive in a in a, in a purplish district. And then she got shot by a right-wing nut. I do not blame all conservatives for that. I do not blame the Republican Party for that. I do not say Republicans are violent because of that. But I hear it time and time again. And I sometimes wonder if there is a little bit of a put on here. Because it appears to me that the right-wing really likes to feel aggrieved. They really like to feel put upon when they are out there. And that's their big thing. It's a grievance culture. Wah, wah, wah. They like to call progressive snowflakes, but they are whiny little snowflake curs. Whiny little snowflake curs. And we know who they are. 
Okay? We've seen it. And if you listen to their rhetoric, it's all about grievance. It's a grievance culture. Listen to Donald Trump's rallies these, these days. Oh, this guy's doing this to me. That guy's doing that to me. Wah, wah, wah. Grievance culture, America. That's what they got. This is a party that has the president, the Congress, and the courts. Yet they still complain every day. They got to find a new enemy. They're, it's getting harder and harder to blame things on Hillary Clinton. So they're blaming it on Antifa. Oh, Antifa, the left is violent. We got to keep them down. The left is violent. Nonsense. That's why when I see these protests, I ask, how did this happen? So when I was on Ingram, I was asked about it. I gave my honest answer. My honest answer was, I don't know how somebody walks into a cafe, a coffee shop, for breakfast. And by, before they walk out, there's 30 people outside chanting at them. And those 30 people are so well organized that they can be mobilized at a moment's notice, yet they don't have a good chant. Does that make sense to you? They're mobilized at a moment's notice, and they don't have a good chant. Now, I believe Candace Owens, when she told, look, I don't know Candace that well. First time I ever talked to her was on Kill Me Show on Tuesday. Don't know her that well. She seemed sincere when she told me she had nothing to do with that, that they were there. Great. I don't know that she's the only one who might have had something to do with it. I don't know. And I'm not accusing them. I said I was dubious. Problem in America is people don't know, they don't know what dubious means. Dubious just means I was questioning. I get it. It has a little bit of a negative sound to it. But questioning itself is kind of negative, right? It's a little negative on that regard. So my, my thought to you tonight, America, is don't believe this hype that there's some violence on the left. I, again, I do not support people being ambushed and attacked while they're eating breakfast. I don't, I don't support that. Go protest them at their speech. Go protest them at their office. But I also don't believe that there's just this culture of people all over the country. There's this group of people around this country that will be mobilized like that. I, I, I've been an organizer my whole life. I mean, I've, I, I could probably get 30 people to something in like three hours, not in 30 minutes. And if I was that good, man, they would have their chance down. They would have a whole one, two, three, F the bourgeoisie, four, five, six, you know, Trump, uh, you know, something, something, something. I would have had something going on. All right. 631-451-1039 is my number. I'm going to be taking your calls on the other side of this break. 631-451-1039. If you want to be part of the national conversation, pick up the phone. Give me a call at 631 631- 451-1039. You're listening to The Chris Hahn Show, and I'll be right back. And listen up. The Chris Hahn Show is on the air. All right, I'm back. I'm live. I'm taking your calls at 631-451-1039 if you want to be part of the national conversation. 631-451-1039. Uh, coming up at the top of the hour, I got Amy Holmes joining me and then at the bottom of the nine o'clock hour i've got the first recruiter for the space force but i am live it's august uh not as hot as it was last week but it's still pretty hot out there it's definitely hot in the studio 631-451-1039 if you want to be part of the national conversation let's talk about um let's talk about trump and russia if we can for a minute here america I've been watching Rudy Giuliani and uh, Jay Sekulow, who is uh, the president's lawyers, legal team, uh, all week. 
And you know what I just discovered? I discovered that the president's lawyer, Jay Sekulow, has a radio show. He, he has a radio show on Sirius XM, and it's, uh, it's, it, it's a little crazy to me. Uh, but anyway, it gives us some material, right? But Rudy Giuliani has been on this media blitz trying to discredit Mueller. Mueller, a Purple Heart recipient, a, a, a Marine, a man who spent his entire life in service of his country, a lifelong Republican who's investigating Russian interference in this, into these elections, who's currently prosecuting the president's campaign manager in Virginia for tax fraud. And there'll be another trial in another district, I think it's in Washington, D.C., in the D.C. circuit, for conspiracy against the United States. And that trial is supposed to start in September or early October, right in the middle of the midterm elections. But Rudy Giuliani's on this blitz to discredit Mueller. And his latest attempt to discredit Mueller is something he said today, and I did not pull the quote, but I'm going to paraphrase for you. He basically said, Mueller already knows the answer to the question. So what's he going to do? Ask the president if he fired Jim, Co- if he asked Jim Comey to go easy on Michael Flynn, the president's first national security advisor, who led the chant lock her up, who has pled guilty to lying to the FBI and is now cooperating with the FBI, just for the record. And the president's going to say no, and then Mueller's going to, and this is Giuliani talking now, the president's going to say no, and then they're going to get him in a perjury trap. Well, for those of you who know, I'm, I'm an attorney. Um, the only way you could commit perjury is if you lie. If you tell the truth, you will not commit perjury. You also have another option, America. The other option is the Fifth Amendment to the United States Constitution, which provides that you do not have to incriminate yourself. You cannot be forced or compelled to testify against yourself. The president, of course, is in a tough position. He's a politician. He's the president of the United States. If he took the Fifth Amendment, and the Fifth Amendment really is against self-incrimination, that tells the world that there is something that you are incriminating yourself about. So I get it. I mean, the argument should really be, you know, he can't take the Fifth because then the public will think he's lying or he's in, there is something to be incriminated about. The Fifth, you know, anybody else in this planet could take the Fifth Amendment anytime they want. They could just take the Fifth Amendment and they could be fine with it. The President of the United States cannot do that because then it is suggesting that he has something to hide that is criminal. So politically, that would be devastating for him. So Giuliani and Sekulov and the president are playing this game. They're putting out there that, oh, of course, President Trump wants to testify. His lawyers are holding him back. Nonsense. President Trump knows that once he testifies, everything he says can and will be used against him. He knows he can't take the Fifth Amendment politically, and he knows that he can't tell the truth. Because the truth of the matter is, is he did try to obstruct justice. He probably did know the Russians were interfering with this campaign. The president was aware of these things. This is the president's problem. 
So the president won't testify. And now they're saying, well, they got to wrap it up by September or they're breaking the rules of the uh, Justice Department. Well, there is no such rule. And by the way, there is a tradition of not releasing information during a campaign about candidates in the campaign. But President Trump's not running for election in November. Congress is. So I guess you could release information about President Trump anytime you want this year because he's not up for election. And frankly, any rule that there might have been about this disappeared when Jim Comey basically sunk the Clinton campaign 10 days before the election. Anyway, I want to know what you've got to think, America. You don't have to agree with me about this either. 631-451-1039 is my number. 631-451-1039 if you want to be part of this national conversation tonight. 631-451-1039 is my number. Look, I think the president just doesn't have the courage and the faith in himself. And I love how his supporters are basically saying, well, it's a perjury trap. It's a perjury trap. He's just going to get a perjury trap. All they want to do is make him commit perjury and lie. First of all, you know, they tried to impeach a president about perjury uh, in in 1996. I don't know if you remember a guy named Bill Clinton was impeached. They impeached him on a couple of grounds, obstruction of justice and perjury were the grounds. Um, Yeah, I don't think that's enough. I don't think perjury is enough to remove a president. And I know that this president will perjure himself. I absolutely 100% know that if the president speaks to anybody who he has to swear to an oath to tell the truth to, he will lie because that's what this president does. He lies on average, America, six times a day. Go to PolitiFact and check it out. Six times a day. Six times a day. So, of course, if he sits down with Robert Mueller, he is going to lie to Robert Mueller. That's what Donald Trump does. He lies day in, day out. He is a liar. Liar. The question is, though, is America, does America care? Does America even care? Do you even care if he's a liar? That's what I want to know. This is what's racking my brains. I know that there is 60% of this country that absolutely cares. And they are not with them. Maybe it's 58%. Don't quote me. And then there's 41% of this country that clearly knows. I I don't think that there's 41% of Americans are stupid. I just don't think that 41% of of this population is stupid. They don't care. I mean, look, 10, 15% of the population is clearly stupid, right? I mean, clearly. Maybe 20%. But not 40%. I don't think we have 40% of Americans are just ignorant to the fact that the president lies every single day. I think there's 40%, there's like 20, 25% of them that know the president lies every day and don't care. Maybe they don't care because they're racists. Maybe they don't care because their 401k is doing pretty well. Maybe they don't care because they're just... Died in the wool Republicans, and whatever their team does is okay by them. That's horrible. But that's what's going on here, America. Every single day, this president lies. Every single day. And every single day, you take a poll, and there's a solid 33% that are with them, you know, right or wrong, strongly support, no matter what. Those are the guys that show up at his rallies, the people with the MAGA hats, 
right? And then there's another, you know, 8%, 9%, 10% that are with him. Why? Why are you with him? He's a liar. Okay, the economy's going well. Uh, I'm sorry, America. The economy was going well when he took office. The, job, the jobless rate had been declining every single quarter that Obama was president after the first year. First year, he took over a mess, America, 11% unemployment. He gave the president an economy with 4.5% unemployment and a stock market that had tripled during his tenure. Now, granted, the stock market's gone up a lot, but it hasn't doubled, hasn't tripled. It's doing well. The economy's doing well. We had a good quarter. President Obama had better quarters. This president wants to say it's unprecedented growth. You give me that growth for a year, Mr. President, before you start bragging about that growth. Anyway, 631-451-1039 is my number. 631-451-1039. I can't buy a caller tonight, Amanda. I don't know what's going on. Are we broadcasting? I got a new person behind the thing. Is this going out over the world? Are, are people hearing this in their cars right now, or am I just talking to myself? Am I just doing a big podcast tonight? Why isn't anybody calling? 631-451-1039. I do have somebody new working the board. She's got somebody there helping him. I don't know if he's helping or not. 631-451-1039 is my number if you want to. Be. Look, if you want to save Amanda's job, you might want to call in here tonight. 631-451-1039. I'm only joking, Amanda. I have no power to fire you here. I'm just a, I'm just a talent. Just a talent. Only John C. can make those. I won't, he doesn't like to get his name mentioned on the air, but you know. 631-451-1039 is the number if you want to be part of the national conversation. I just like, I, look, I'm watching these guys on TV do mental gymnastics. I mean, I know Rudy Giuliani. I know Rudy Giuliani knows better. Rudy Giuliani was a prosecutor. Rudy Giuliani was a prosecutor. He prosecuted cases. You know, he was a bull in a china shop when he was a U.S. attorney. Robert Mueller does not talk. He speaks through indictments. He does not speak. He does not speak to the cameras. He does not go out there and you know and and, and do these things. He talks through indictments. So my question is, America. My question is, America. Why? Anyway, six three one four five one one zero three nine up. Amanda's saved. We are going out over the air. I'm going to go to Terry from Patchogue. Six three one four five one one zero three nine. If you want to be on the process, Terry, how you doing? This is a this is a mercy call. <laughs> <laughs> you saved her job. You saved her job, Terry. I, th I was like, maybe she didn't hit the right button. Maybe we're not going out over the air. I'm like, what's going on here tonight, America? No, I know it's a hot summer night, and people are like, probably like, oh, I don't want to talk it's, politics with this guy. It's hot, humid. L listen, um, people don't want to hear this Russia stuff anymore. I don't think so. They don't. Why not? Um, I know I don't. We talked about this last week. Yep. Yep. Um, I have a question that has nothing to do with, with what you're talking about. Go ahead. But do you have to do any, do you always have to have a political show? It's not always political. Sometimes I'll do, I always do politics. I like, I'm a politics. It's a political station, right? It's a news station. Okay, because one, one time, months and months ago, you and Mike were just jabbing on about clubs and this and that. And that was, like, really enjoyable. <laughs> well, that's because you, you don't do like, like my political improv. point. You don't like my political point uh, of view. Uh, enough of this. Enough. You're, like, exhausted you know, by the whole thing. See, this is, the, this is what I'm worried about. This is what I'm getting at, Terry. I yeah. know you're not an idiot. I know you're a smart woman, okay? You are exhausted by all this talk about Trump. I think that's their strategy, 
just exhaust everybody. It's so bad. There's so much. Nobody wants to talk about it anymore. I mean, what about well, this guy, Chris? He didn't know about it. Who cares? We don't care. He wasn't the president then. Well, what about what he's doing now? What about what he did when he first became president? He's what, obstructing justice. Like they, I, they, I don't know what he's lying about. I don't know. I he don't lies six news. times a day, Before. Terry. Six times a How day. How do you know he lies six times? Go How to politifact.com. They outline all um, of his no, lies. Right. No, right. No, no, no. You got to believe something. You got to believe something, Terry. <laughs> believe me. I'm the voice on your radio. Well, uh, look, on behalf of Amanda's family that would have starved in the street (laughs) had you not called in tonight, I thank you. You know, we finally have a female producer of the Chris Honcho. We're breaking all sorts of barriers here tonight. And I almost had to fire her because I didn't get any callers. And I was assuming (laughs) we weren't going out over the airwaves. But you, Terry, are a saint among women. You have saved this woman's life. You have. I saved the show. You know? There are her seven kids are gonna eat tonight. They are gonna eat <laughs> <Okay>. tonight. Taco <laughs> Bell dollar menu all around. Thanks to Terry from Patchog. Terry, I there love you. you. Thanks for calling in. Okay. All right. Six three one four five one one zero three nine is my number. Six three one four five one. You're saved, Amanda. You're saved. You want to see if your mic works? Let's see if your mic works. Let's see if we can get it to work. I don't know. It's not. <laughs> is it working? It's now? working. That's the voice of Amanda. That's the voice of Amanda. Your mic is working, and the phones are ringing off the hook now. We must really be broadcast. She must have, you know, what happened? She hit another button, got us on the air. By the way, it's not your fault that the mic doesn't work. It's, it's the, it, it, Mike, Mike B., who is often here, he actually has to jiggle something in that room sometimes to make that mic work. So it's not, a, it's not Amanda's fault. I'm just having a little fun. She's new, a little ribbing. So, but yeah, you, you get to eat tonight. She gets to eat tonight. 631-451-1039. That was one. I just got another one of those calls where you're like, what is up with this guy, the liberal on this uh, radio station calling in? Hey, get him off the air. Little snowflakes call in once in a while. They don't, they don't, like, they don't like hearing alternative viewpoints on their, on their airwaves. But yeah, I mean, I think Terry from Patchog is illustrative of what's going on. There is President Trump fatigue. It's not just Russia fatigue, because we don't even know what happened in Russia. We haven't even gotten a report. We don't know. It is, it is actually Trump fatigue. People are just tired of hearing about the president. They're tired of it. They're tired about everybody t- pointing out his flaws and his lies. I want to go back to a time where we didn't think about the president. Remember when Obama was president? And you didn't wake up in the morning and check your Twitter feed to see what the president said while you were sleeping? I remember those days. First thing I do when I get up in the morning is I look at my Twitter feed, not to see who's tweeting at me. I want to know what the president said. Did he bring us to war? Did the president invade Canada last night? And this is the problem we have. We're at a point in time where we just can't. People are just tired of it. They don't, this is what worries me the most. Like what Terry said, we're tired of it. I don't want to hear about Russia anymore. Well, what about when Mueller actually delivers his report to Congress and we learn all the facts? Are people just going to be so tired? Is that their strategy? Because it's Rudy Giuliani and Jay Sekula who are keeping it in the news. They keep talking about it. Rudy Giuliani's been on TV like five times a day, every day for the last month. 
He's on TV more than Wolf Blitzer. Every day, five times a day. So people are like, enough already. Do I got to hear about Rudy Giuliani's fall from grace again? Do I got to hear about the president lied again? And again and again. People are just tired of it. That is dangerous. It is dangerous to this country. It is dangerous to our fragile democratic republic. It's so, so scary to me that people are sick and tired of hearing it. That's why, look, I was pretty happy I got to talk about something other than Trump this week on TV for like a day. I'm sure when I'm on Tucker tomorrow, I'll be talking about Trump. I'm sure whatever talking point that Trump puts out that I'm anti, I'm sure I'll be talking about Trump. I am going to talk about Space Force at 9.30. I can't wait to do that. But it is, it is scary. It should be scary to you as well that people are tired of hearing about something that I, quite frankly, believe, and I think a lot of other people believe, is a omnipresent threat to our democracy. A foreign government actively engaged in an election and according to Trump's own intelligence people are actively engaging to interfere in our elections right now. That's not just me saying it, America. That is Trump's people saying it. And everybody's like, ah, do we got to hear about that again? You want to talk about that again? It's like wearing us down. The country's being worn out. They're worn out by a story because there hasn't really been a conclusion yet. You know, I think there's another round of indictments coming out maybe very soon, maybe this week. I think Roger Stone's definitely in the firing line for sure. I think Donald Trump Jr. absolutely in the firing line soon. Jared Kushner, None of those people can claim presidential privilege. The president might pardon them. The president likes to hand out pardons like some people hand out M&Ms. But it's going to be interesting. And, and, you know, there are tapes of Devin Nunez saying, look, you know, we're going to fire Mueller after the election. We can't fire him now. We ruin the elections. And then what happens? He'll be impeached. Everything stops. Devin Nunez, the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, which used to be a nonpartisan-like role, where you go in there and you do what's right for the country, talking like a partisan hack, which, by the way, I've long since proven, and so has every other progressive in America, and, and Devin himself, have proven just a partisan hack. He's a Trump hack. He's not even a Republican hack. He's a Trump hack. Anyway, Amy Holmes and I are going to talk about it on the other side of this break, and you don't want to miss that. And you'd also want to think about giving us a call here at 631-451-1039 as well. And the music's supposed to start now. There it is. Good job. 631-451-1039. Listen to the Chris Honcho. Keep it where it's at. Try to tell him why he's wrong. The Chris Hahn Show. 
All right, I'm back. I'm live. I'll take your calls later on, 631-451-1039. But joining me right now, good friend of the show. Wait, wait, I got to give my plugs first. I will be, uh, don't forget to watch me tomorrow night on Tucker at 8 o'clock, Saturday night uh, around 9.30 on Piro. And then on Monday, I will be on Ingram again, all on the Fox News channel. Uh, just follow me on Twitter. You get all that stuff. At Christopher Hahn. Another person you should follow on Twitter is Amy Holmes. She's the real Amy Holmes on Twitter. You've seen her on, uh, oh my God, you've seen her on every television show ever made, including The Tick, where she does an excellent job playing uh, a version of herself. Uh, she's fantastic. She's a friend of the show. She's a friend of mine. How you doing, Amy? I'm doing great. Good, uh, good to be on your show, Chris. Great to have you back. And I just want listeners to know that I actually asked you if I could be on your show <laughs> because I was watching you on Monday, and I think I texted you like, you're being way too reasonable. <laughs> Republicans need to watch out. Well, you know, the funny, that's the funny thing about social media. I thought I was being very reasonable on mm-hmm. that thing, and I played, the, played it earlier. It was the first time I ever played a clip on this show mm-hmm. of myself. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought I was being very reasonable with the whole thing. And then it got all twisted in social media to like, I was like being racist towards Candace Owens. Cause I didn't know who she was. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, how dare you not know who Candace Owens is and how dare you question her integrity? I, I wasn't really doing that. I mean, I knew, I know Charlie Kirk. I do TV with Charlie Kirk all the time. And I don't think Charlie Kirk is too controversial that people are going to follow him around and protest him. And I, well, I know. <laughs> yeah. So, so, Chris, I watched the clip. Yep. And you were skeptical of who is this crowd because how does this happen? And in your defense, I don't think that you were saying that. And when I watched, I didn't think that you were saying that as a liberal or challenging uh, Ms. Owen's integrity. I think you were saying that because you're old. Yeah, I, I, that's and, what that has been my. And you don't know how like powerful social media. <laughs> but it, like, but but wait a minute. You walk into I a coffee. You're old, Chris. No, Seriously. well, I don't know how long you take to eat breakfast when you go to a coffee shop. Uh huh. I take about twenty five minutes. Right, breakfast doesn't take okay. that long to cook. Coffee's always ready in the morning. You go in there, you get your coffee, you get your so eggs. Are you still trying to? Are you still skeptical that this actually happened? But what I mean, I'm video. I, I saw the video and I'm less and skeptical. Portland. I'm less skeptical now than I was. But I'm just thinking about the mechanics of this. You walk in, you get recognized by a couple of people. By a couple of people who are who are part of like this intense and radical. Right, and all of right, right, and they like they just happen to be the right. they just happen to be at a fancy coffee shop. But okay, we'll we'll, we'll we'll let that go for a minute too. And then they get thirty people to show up within twenty yeah. minutes in the yeah. morning. By the way, in really? the morning, which is the that hardest is time to get anybody to do anything. That in the morning. Well, remember, I believe this happened in Portland, right? No, it was Philadelphia. Oh, Philadelphia. But anyway, <laughs> you saw who was showing up there. And these are very committed, radical protesters. They're all like, you know, in the olden days, we so, you know, have like a phone chain where one person calls yep. another person who calls people. Now they do that on social media, and it's instantaneous. Yeah, I, you know, I have, I have organized. This is your chance. I have organized via social media, right? Yeah. Um, but, but here's the, the part I don't get, and that made me most suspicious. And, and people laugh at me when I say this. They're so organized that they could get a, a mob together within 30 minutes. Yeah. Yet when they do a chant, yeah. I don't know if you watched mm-hmm. when they went outside and they were chanting, the first thing they were saying, one, two, three, F the bourgeoisie. 
right? So their yeah, chant was their chant that. was one, two, three, F the bourgeoisie, four, five, six, yeah. F the bourgeoisie. Now, I'm sorry. They can't rhyme is what Yeah. Like, they're that yeah. good at setting up protests. They don't have a good protest chant. Well, they're so reminding they me of these. Look, together in 30 minutes. It reminded right. me of, you know, this is like a chant that like a, uh, a country music listening conservative would make up if they were trying to imitate oh, a radical okay. mob. That's what okay. I thought. Okay, well, let, let's pull the lens back a little bit further than your, you know, micro- But I, By the way, I believe her, but of, let me just state for the record before somebody comes at me on Twitter yeah. again, because I've been getting like 9,000 tweets at me this week. The woman mm-hmm. clearly is famous, okay? I had no idea how famous she was. Um, well, she is in a certain age group on social media. I had never heard of her until Kanye West. And I'm like, who can Well, that's Owen? what made her famous. Owen. The Kanye West tweet made her she, famous. She'd already had 300,000 hits on a YouTube video that she did. Wow. So she was, you know, for people of our generation and kind of old-fashioned communication techniques. Right. She was kind of under the radar. But for people and, you know, millennials who are getting their information from YouTube, Twitter, probably other platforms I've never heard of. You know, there is this substrata, and she's yeah, you know, she and she's clearly she's, emerging, she's clearly famous, and and I spoke to her, like I, political celebrities. I spoke to her on the Kilmeade show on Tuesday yeah. morning, and we had a very. It started out tense, but it ended well, and I mm-hmm. believe her when she said she had nothing to do with it. I'm still just, I'm like, I, I look, maybe I am old, maybe that's the problem, maybe I'm just an old man. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think that's the problem. And I'm younger than you, Amy. I just, just I want to point I, out for the record, I'm younger than you, just for the, not yeah, that much. You're, a couple of days. You, you know where all your what your kids are doing on all these different social medias because they can you know outwit their parents very quickly. Yeah. If you think that you have their passwords and they start some new thing. It's a real problem. I just but bought. I, kind of, I just bought my 11 year old a phone and it is scaring me to death. Chris, 11. That is way too young. It's, what are you doing? It's just it's the way it is. Do you have it? Do you have a um, uh, telephone internet um, plan that limits? Uh, you know, who she or he can interact with and stuff like no, that. No, but I have full that. access to her phone at any time I want. I made her sign a contract. Yeah. Oh, good. Did you so, also uh, implant her with a GPS chip? There's a GPS on the I phone. No, in her, I mean. Oh, no, not yet, but that's next. I'm, I'm yeah. waiting for that technology to improve and to be perfected. Okay. By the way, I'm talking right. to Amy Holmes. Who, by the way, I could talk to for seven hours about nothing. I love Amy Holmes. Uh, Likewise. Uh, I love her to death. You could see her on the tick. She's going to be on, uh, you're on tomorrow, on the Today Show on tomorrow. The Today Show, yeah. She'll be on the Today Kelly Show Power. tomorrow with Megyn Kelly. Megyn Kelly, by the way, next time you see Megyn Kelly, could you uh-huh. say hello for me? Because we used I to be will. friends. And she used yeah. to follow me on Twitter. And when she went to NBC... She stopped following yeah. me on Twitter. I guess she wanted to cut ties oh, with all of her Fox friends. No, no, no. I, I will give her a big hug for you. You tell her Chris Hahn said hi and wants to know why you don't follow him on Twitter anymore. That's what you always oh, Yeah, because that's what it's all about. That's right? Right. How um, come I'm so, not on the Today Show? What's up? <laughs> Where She used to use me every night on her on her show on Fox. We, I, well, I mean, you and I are in totally, it's like 180 for me. I never did her show on Fox, and now I do her show on today on NBC twice a week and we have such a great time it's really fun. when she was on America <laughs> when she was on America live I did her show for 75 straight weeks 75 Whoa. straight weeks Whoa. okay yeah it's a long time a year and a half just never missed so you it know Megan well know her really well and then when she went to prime time I would do her show once a week but I don't think I had a 70 week screen but I would basically do it once a week 
I'd be on once a week yeah. about something. So I was right. like one of her favorite liberal pundits. She even said it to me. She said it on the air. I'm sure. And now she's one of she, my favorite liberal pundits. And now she doesn't call. Now she she's got the big job on network it's, television. And where is poor stare, Chris Hahn? And you stare at your cell phone. Yeah, I go, I go oh, Megan, I sometimes watch her on TV. I go, oh, your ratings would be so much better if I was on. Why don't you just bring yeah. me back? <laughs> <laughs> well, getting back to the social media. Thing, yes. Um, I think so there, you know, this week we also saw social media and the power of censorship with Mr. Alex Jones. Oh, I hate um, that guy. <laughs> you know, I hate that guy too. And I think a lot of America, well, actually a lot of, I don't want to say I hate weird. him. I just, I, 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 don't, I think, I think he's an odious yes. figure, you know, that's a great um, word. Odious. odious is but, kind of a word like dubious. People don't really know what it means. <laughs> odious. Yeah. Very uh, unpleasant. And, yes. And repellent. He's a repellent character. Yes. Uh, but with social media, there are so many aspects of how it is supercharging our politics that issues become bigger, the news cycle gets faster, people seem to become more and more. Uh, opposed to one another. Right. Uh, you have to agree with me. Otherwise, I think that you're an evil dirtbag. Right. And I had this just a couple nights ago when I tweeted out about LeBron James and in an interview he did with the Wall Street Journal that he is gifting bicycles to the students at his new academy. And it's a public school. It's not a private school. And you get some criticism for that. The taxpayers are picking up quite a bit of the, the dime there. But I just I read that and I thought it was so wonderful. He talked about how when he was growing up, his bicycle was freedom, you know. And I remember how important my bike was to me. And I actually tweeted about bicycle riding right a couple months ago and getting people to tell stories about your bike and you know what it meant to you at middle yep. school and even yep. in high school. Anyway, I tweet the Wall Street Journal piece, LeBron James and Tim gifting these bikes, and that it was freedom, and I thought that was wonderful, and I remember my own bike, etc. Chris, I got these tweets back saying, how dare you, you know, you got uh, your right-wing friends, didn't, say, they didn't well, like... I don't know if they were right-wing, but yeah. how dare you have anything kind to say about LeBron James? That's because... And I said, that, I don't necessarily agree with his politics, but you don't have to agree with someone's politics to know that they are being generous and certainly more than decent. And I even tweeted, I was like, look, I don't know what team he plays for. I don't know what position he plays. <laughs> I really know nothing about LeBron James, the basketball player. I do know that he has waded into politics, and he has this feud going on with well, uh, President Trump. I, but look, the guy is putting his money where his mouth is. He's doing is. a great thing. He's helping out. And, and guess and, who's supporting and him? And let me just, let Melania. Me just, let's just give him, let's give him a little credit for what he did. And also, let's say, he didn't really wade into politics either. You know, somebody asked him a question about the president and why he didn't want to go to the White House. And he's, his answer was actually a, a, a correct answer. He well, said, you know, he attacked Laura Ingram, sort of. Laura Ingram you know, attacked him. She said, shut up and play basketball. Right. And, but, and he's but, getting, you know, he's getting engaged with this. And that's fine. But, but that's what, he said, what he said about the president this week that caused the president to tweet, you know, and go nuts was yeah. somebody asked him about the about why he wouldn't go to the White House. He said, look, sports has always been the thing that has united America, united this country, whether you're black or white, conservative or liberal. It's been a unifying thing. We all like sports. We root for our teams, regardless of what our race is, our income level, the whole thing. And, uh -huh. the, and he said, I feel that the president is politicizing 
sports in a way to further divide us. And I don't like that. And that's it. And quite frankly, he's 100% correct by saying that the president should not be weighing in on sports things, whether it's taking a knee or anything else. I prefer the president to not do that. Right. I prefer that Colin Kaepernick didn't politicize. Look, that Colin Kaepernick's of a, of a football game. Colin, but, you know, the, the point that I was trying to make is, you know, I think you you do it too. That I went on social media because I found this interview and him gifting these bikes yep. to be really charming and thoughtful and delightful. And there are people who just couldn't they couldn't have it because LeBron James has been in a feud with President Trump. Yeah, and I said, look, that's politics. Not everything is about politics. And unfortunately, I think that, you know, social media exacerbates that tendency. But, Chris, you know, I, I'm going to challenge you a little bit here. Remember that it was feminists from 70s, 80s, 90s who said that everything is political. Everything from your uterus to, you know, your job to who you vote for to who you marry the way you interact with the opposite sex, all of this. Well, I guess even opposite sex might be political look, these days. Obviously, but I have never agreed with that. Obviously, never. in the seventies. Obviously, in the seventies, when you know, like, yeah, Billie Jean King, the Battle of the Sexes. And by the way, that's a great movie. I encourage everybody to watch it. I watched it the other day. It's on HBO this month or something. You I know, watched it on TV with Billie Jean King. She is really neat. Yeah, really I mean, neat. I have a whole new understanding of everything she went through from that movie. I've been reading about her now, like. Night, in, 2016 with her. Yeah, she she's amazing what she did. And in, in, in not just not just the battle of the sex. Everybody remembers the battle of the sexes, but the fact that she left the United States Tennis Association and started her own tennis association with women yeah, because they weren't getting paid. Yeah. Number one player in the world. She yeah. was rich but already. Chris, she, this she, idea that, uh, you know, all things are political. I battled that idea when I worked for a women's organization in the mid nineties, that nothing could be off limits to politics. There was no way to have common ground if you didn't share a political outlook. And I just fundamentally disagree with that. Well, I think I you could find I, I think you I, could find common ground and, and, and look, the place and what LeBron was saying, the place where people found common ground most often was sports, and you've never had a president politicize sports as much as this president has. And that's the problem we have here. He's the president. You know, here's the thing, Amy, I say this all the time. I don't know if I've ever said this to you publicly or privately. My mm-hmm. biggest problem publicly now. My I'm gonna say it to you publicly <laughs> right now. My mm-hmm. biggest problem with Donald Trump, I forget everything else about him, all the stuff, you know, my biggest problem with Donald Trump is he's made zero attempt to reach out to anyone other than the base that voted for him. He has made no attempt to reach out to me. I reached out to him the day after the election. You're I was on judging his reach out attempts based on whether or not he tweeted you. No, 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 no. Not I'm not saying me okay. personally, but people like right. me, right? I, after after the election, I reached out to him and his supporters and said, look, he's the president right now. I wish him well. I hope I wish him success. I have never seen this president ever make any attempt to try to bring people who didn't vote to him into his camp. Instead, it's, well, it's, it's feeding Chris, the base, feeding the base, feeding the base. He feeds the base, but I've seen him make multiple attempts to reach out to people who don't agree with him. And even just recently, he invited uh, black pastors to the White House who don't agree with him politically, and they caught black from people. How dare you 
accept an invitation from the President of the United States, you're an Uncle Tom, you're a, you're a house in, all this kind of stuff. And they said, oh, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I care about criminal And by the way, that's reform, what I'm learning. And I want to work with the president on this because it is common ground. Even if I didn't vote for him and don't plan to ever vote for him and don't agree with other aspects of his agenda on this particular thing, if we can make a difference, and, we should make a difference. And that's, that's what I'm learning out, about Candace uh, Owens. You know, is, is the biggest thing that Candace Owen faces is a lot of people calling her an Uncle Tom and, and really racist uh, well, stuff. Well, you know, I, I, I hate to tell her, but, you know, welcome to the party. I know. I mean, I, have you met her? You should you should talk to no, her. No, no. Uh, but, you know, in, in terms of your contention that the president's never reached out, uh, early during you know, the uh, tax debate, he had Jared Kushner, you know, his son-in-law, trying to reach out to business leaders and Democrats. And in fact, there were moderate Democrats in the House that were willing to work on uh, corporate tax reform, corporate tax cuts. There are a million things that this president, who is from New York, our hometown, Mm -hmm. can do with Democrats. Well, your hometown, not mine. I live here now. Well, Mm -hmm. look, nobody is born in New York, right? You you chose New York. True, That's why New York's such a great place. That's why New York is such a great place. I mean, I was born on Long Island, but New York mm-hmm. City is such a great place because people choose to go there. It's a self-selecting place. Right. Well, you I know. can tell you a funny story. One of my close friends in college, she was born and raised in Manhattan, down in the West Village. She's like the uh, like very, the one person. You met the yeah, one person. Very wealthy, very wealthy. Anyway, she was on a date in college with a fellow New Yorker, also born and raised in, in New York. And, you know, they went to fancy private schools and all this. And you know, the classic story that we had about her was that on a date, apparently, like, so he told her that he grew up in Brooklyn, and she asked him, where is that? <laughs> <laughs> that is nice. Having grown up in the West Village. Uh, but, you know, I don't think that it's necessarily helpful to say the president never reaches out. Right. He does. He's had his hand slapped back and said, right. no way, no thank you. Um but I agree with you that he has contributed to a much more divided, divisive political environment. But one of the things that really frustrates me about how the press covers the president, and it's not just, you know, I'm not going to say fake news or something like that, but and I thought it's actually with President Obama in the other direction when they were praising Obama, that the media, and I think a lot of it is because they're writers and they make images on television, that they are so focused on the surface, on the style, on the words and the pictures. Wow. And that's much easier the president's than words, to actually drill the president's down into words, the policy. The, the president's policy. words matter. They have to matter. Doing? Amy, what well, the president... So let's, let's, okay, so let's talk that's, about Russia, for example. Right. And his press conference with Vladimir Putin in Helsinki. Yeah. Oh, it was, you know, he's obviously a puppet of Vladimir Putin. He's in Vladimir Putin's right pocket, etc. You know, the New York Times did this really disgusting... Uh, he kind of looked like a puppet of Putin at that press conference. You got to admit, he said, I don't see any reason why he would have interfered. Yeah, but if you drill down into his actual policies toward Russia, Russia experts will tell you that he's been one of the toughest presidents on Russia when it comes to sanctions, sanctions of the quote-unquote oligarchs. He has kicked and screamed into those sanctions. He's trying to, he tried the day he got elected. And did you see he just just laid down some new sanctions on Russia? Well, he's, look... He is he is on the hot seat with sanctions right now, and he is on the hot seat with Russia after, especially after Helsinki, and he has to do something like that. He has no choice. But, but trust yeah, me, I it's mean, against it's his so better it's against his better judgment. About, he doesn't want to do that. He doesn't you know, want to do that. Me where and I'm not going to say this about you because I don't I don't know where you were, but 
Where was the rest of the media in 2012 when President Obama was caught, you know, in an uh, off-mic moment, leaning over to the Russian president saying, you know, tell Vladimir Putin. Oh, everybody brings that up. Flexibility. All right, look, well, I, got 30 se- go. I, I got 30 seconds. I was on TV okay. when that happened. I probably was defending yeah. Obama anyway. I got 30 yeah. seconds left for you. Okay. Where are you going to be? Today what do you show. want people to know? Tomorrow. Today's show, tomorrow, it's, Friday, 9 a.m., Megan Kelly. She will be on the Today Show with Megan Kelly tomorrow at 9 a.m. And next time you see Megan Kelly, you better tell her what I told you. Tell her I miss I her. I will. And I'll actually give her a hug for you. And give her a big hug for will me. Say, Chris Hahn says hi. He misses you. Uh, you know, it's not the same without her at Fox. But Amy Holmes, you are the best. The real Amy Holmes on Twitter. <laughs> At the real, real Amy, Amy Holmes. M. Holmes. Amy, Amy M. Holmes, M. Holmes on Twitter. Yeah. The real Amy M. Holmes on Twitter. And of course, don't forget to watch her on the tick. She's fantastic. I'll be right back with the first recruiter of Space Force. Right after this break, she'll listen to the Chris Hodge show. Keep it where it's at. You can't ignore the truth forever, so listen up. The Chris Hahn Show. Hey. Yeah. Voice. Yeah. All right, I'm back. 631-451-1039 is my number. Uh, a little plugging here. I'll be on uh, Tucker tomorrow at 8 o'clock. I'll be on Piro Sunday night at, uh, not Sunday night, Saturday night at uh, 9.30ish. Probably 9.25, I would tune in. Uh, and then I'll be on the Laura Ingram show again on Monday in the 10 o'clock hour, all on the Fox News channel. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I got to talk about Space Force. Space Force! I mean, the vice president today uh, made a big deal. He was over at the Department of Defense with General Mattis talking about Space Force. Play the clip of the vice president for me. Man. And our administration will soon take action to implement these recommendations with the objective of establishing the United States Department of the Space Force by the year 2020. So uh, that's not too long. For, that's like a year and a half. I mean, I couldn't get a deck built on my house by the year 2020 if I started today. So the United States of America is going to establish a space force. I had a lot of questions. So I reached out to the Department of Defense earlier today, and to their credit, they provided me with a guest for today's show. Uh, his name is Captain B. Best, and he is the first recruiter for the USSF, the United States Space Force. Captain, welcome to the Chris Hahn Show. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. So I, I, I'm a little perplexed. I know we had this U.S. Air Force Space Command, and I know that the president is always looking for new things to do, uh, and I guess he's very influenced by television, and I know that he's been involved with the Netflix series um, uh, Lost in Space. So uh, tell me, uh, what's going on? You know, what is the plans to build this Space Force? I'm just so glad to have this opportunity to talk to you and your listeners. I am a a special envoy appointed by the president himself to uh, recruit the first Space Force warriors, okay? And we have uh, a certain type of person we're looking for, all right? The, uh, uh, The ideal Space Force candidate will be a true American, a real American, an authentic American. You're looking for real, to say, real Americans. Right, real. What I'm trying to say is they're going to be white, okay? Uh, so, ah. Okay, that's that's what they're going to be here. Okay. And I'm going to tell you another thing. There's going to be age requirements, okay? Commander Joe Arpino is accepting recruits starting as early as 13. 
All right, so we're going to get them young. Okay. Okay. That's the first thing you need to know there. All right. Also, these recruits, they're going to have little tiny hands. Okay, so they can operate the little tiny buttons that are in space. All right. Small hands. And uh, that usually means something else is small. Um, I just want to make that point, uh, Captain. That's right. That's right. And you know what? And let me say another thing about uh, the Americans who will serve on the Space Force. They're going to be real Americans, <laughs> and they will take a knee for the flag. And I don't care if there's zero gravity. They'll find a way to put that knee down. Wait a minute. Okay? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I thought taking a knee for the flag was bad. Now taking a knee for the flag is good? It depends. Everything in space is upside down, Chris. You know, ah. Upside down, down is up. Haven't you seen Ender's Game? It's just like that. Ah. We're going to get little kids. That's right. This is the plan, okay? This is the plan. We're going to find the smartest, brightest kids from around the world. We're going to put them in a space station just outside the Earth orbit. And we're going to train them. And they're not going to know that what they're actually doing is fighting a real war. But what they're, they're going to think they're doing a simulation. Ah. ah. Now, let me ask you this. How are we going to pay for this? I mean, that's I, 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 Republicans used to be all about, you know, managing the deficit and the debt. And now they want to do the Space Force. I would imagine Space Force is going to cost a lot of money. That's right. It's going to cost a lot of money. The Space Force will be built, and the Martians are going to pay for it. That's just fact, okay? Ah. And let me tell you something, because space is an American property. Space is American. I don't know if you know that. The entire universe. Space is American. You can forget about Puerto Rico. Because I'm telling you right now, the president has the next, the 51st state will be Mars. Because Mars is the best planet. It's the red planet. Nobody has been tougher on Mars than the president. <laughs> a vote for the Democrats in November, is you might as well just vote for the Martians. Well, I, I mean, the president does like uh, things that are red, right? Red states. That's right. The Russian Red Scare. You know, the red communist empire over there. Red China. He likes all those things. A lot of people think that this is some sort of a joke. This is serious. The recruits are going to have to go over. They're going to have to do rigorous training. We're going to have all of these recruits go inside the Gravitron and the Tilt-A-Whirl at Adventureland on 110 in Long Island. And they're going to spend six months spinning around and around and around. That's a serious training. Six months without getting off the Gravitron? Ever? That's correct. So much G-force. It's more G-force than the Chinese have. I can tell you that. It's tremendous G-force. Well, I know I've gotten sick on that ride several times in my day, so uh, I think it's probably uh, a, a very vigorous, vigorous, vigorous train. I guess you're going to buy a pay-one-price plan for them to, to save money for the government, or are we going to uh, pay per, per ride? No, no. It's just one price for the whole thing. That's right. The Martians are going to pay for the whole thing anyway. Got it, got it, you got know, it. We might have to pay for it up front, but in one way or another, the Mars, the Mars. Well, that's the thing. I mean, that's going to be the tough sell with Congress, right? I mean, you're going to have to take go to Congress, and you're going to have to ask Congress to approve, you know, this new branch of the military, and they're going to want to know how you're going to pay for it. I, at least, well, they used to want to. The president's going to stand right in front of Congress, and he's going to tell them the empire needs to be stopped. Okay. <laughs> Ask Obama. Why didn't he create a space force? He is very weak. Everybody knows this. Obama was weak on Wookiee immigration. Okay. Ah. He just allowed the Wookiees to pour over the border. I hear you. Well, I, I think they're called hipsters. I know they're very hairy, but they're not quite Wookiees. I mean, they're, they're not, they're not, they're hipsters. I mean, I've been accused this week of not, not being cool because I didn't realize that a drum circle could materialize in 30 minutes on Twitter. So you know. That's right. You never know where a drum circle could break out. 
They started at Berkeley. Next thing you know, there are coffee shops everywhere. Yeah, but don't you think that if you had a if you had a drum circle that could appear in thirty minutes, you'd have really tight chance on that drum circle? That's just I, I, Captain. I know that's not your area. I just I'm just hung up on this. That's my whole my whole problem. They'd have really tight chance. I understand. I understand. <laughs> you know the best thing about space? You can't hear drum circles. Ah, and you know it's kind of probably really hard to form a drum circle because you need all the equipment, right? Not just a drum. That's right. The bongos just keep floating away from you. It's very problematic. We have the finest mind working on how to solve these types of things. So, so uh, I guess we're going to call these people space cadets. Is that correct? That's correct. They will be called space cadets. Nobody else has used that. The president has uh, coined that term. He's the first one to use space cadets. So uh, I guess if, I, if, 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 if Democrats want to call the president's supporters space cadets, that won't be uh, seen as a bad thing now that he's creating the space That's force. That's point of pride. That's right. That's right. All across the president's heartland in his space of support, those space cadets will be there and support the president. They will be voting for the president and all his men <laughs> in, in November. Uh, the space cadets, they're going to lead this nation to four more years. By the way, I'm, I'm talking to Captain B. Best, who is the first recruiter for the United States Space Force. Uh, just right. appointed by President Trump earlier now. earlier this afternoon. Right. Captain, what did you do before you were the top recruiter for the Space Force? What was your job? Well, I worked on Hollywood films advising people on how to make space combat movies look realistic. Have you seen Alien? A lot of my work started in Alien. <laughs> yes, I have seen Alien. Which one? The first one? Yeah, the first one. You saw that where the thing jumps out of the out of the stomach and kind of and walks around. That was me. Ah, you were you were playing the 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 alien waltzing around, or you were the guy who made that alien. No, I'm the one that said that that's what would happen in space. Ah, oh, oh, you consulted them on that. I'm an advisor. I'm a consultant and advisor. I advise the vice president on many things. I'm a professional advisor. Anything related to space issues. Uh, Space Jam. I worked with Michael Jordan on that movie as well. Ah, so you're very highly qualified in the Trump universe. I mean, as far as Trump appointees go, at least you've thought about space for the last 30 years. Let me say this. There's nobody except for maybe the president himself who knows more about space. Because obviously the president, all glory to Putin, I mean President Trump, he knows more about it than anybody else. In fact, I don't know if you know this, but the first person to volunteer to be a space cadet was President Trump. And, of course, his space spurs, uh, uh, they led him to not be able to serve, of course. That's, everybody, that's a legit thing. That's a real thing. Of course, okay. it's real. Very legit. He, he wanted to serve. He had bone so, spurs, so he can't go to space either, is what you're saying. That's right. The space spurs. They're called in space. They're not bone spurs. So do you and have do you have any do you have any military training at all, or is it just all like science fiction and advising uh, Mike Pence? Well, I watched Band of Brothers on HBO several times. Okay. Several times, and I feel like I've got a pretty good understanding of that, as well as Saving Private Ryan. Those two franchises really have kind of rounded out my military education. So there's talk that like this whole space force idea came because the president was enjoying the Netflix series Lost in Space. Can you comment on it's that? So good. It's so good. It's fantastic. It's a tremendous series. The president, he's been very vocal about this, and, and he has not flip-flopped like other people have on this, okay? He, right from the beginning, says that this is a great, a great film, great everything, and he wants to be involved with it. He's looking to make a sequel already. Really? Uh, he wants to put out, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. He wants to get a, Jared Kushner is going to star in the next one. Oh, well, why not? He's, he does everything else, right? 
Yeah, well, he's going to solve the whole space thing. You know, I told you from the, before, you, you let it go by, and I didn't know why, but you let it go by. The emperor and, and, and the empire needs to be stopped, okay? And Jared is going to go over there, and he's going to make it, uh, he's going to make space great again. Wait a minute, wait a minute. The empire? You, you mean like Darth Vader, the empire? Yeah, what did you, those documentary films, Star Wars, the documentaries? Wait a minute. So the president watched Rogue One or or The Phantom Menace or something like that, and and now he believes that those were actual films. They were documentaries. Of course, of course, the great documentary films. Of course, the great documentary filmmaker George Lucas. Of course. So so have you been working on lightsaber technology? Yes, yes, we have the finest minds working on the laser technology. It's very tricky, very, very sciencey, very sciencey. Okay, it's very a lot of science in it. And the president himself has been working on it at night. That's why he's up at midnight tweeting. Okay, he's taking a break from working on lightsaber construction. Interesting. So, so is Governor Rick Perry, who's now the uh, Secretary of the uh, Department of Energy, is he heavily engaged on this? Because I would imagine we would need to develop some sort of rocket propulsion technology to uh, to uh, enter uh, space. Well, Governor Perry has had a complete turnaround. At first, he wanted to abolish and get rid of the Space Force altogether. There were three things that he was going to do when he joined up, and then he forgot about the Space Force being bad. He just forgot about it. He was like, oops, my bad. <laughs> oops. So now he's, he's just gotten on board. He's all yeah. about the Space Force right now. Interesting. All about the Space Force. Now, have you guys decided, like, what colors you'll wear? You know how, like, the Navy has white and blue, the Army has green and beige, the Air Force is almost always blue. Like, what's the Space Force going to wear? Here's, here's a little breaking news, okay? The president has authorized me to tell you this. This is breaking news. Everybody wants to know in Helsinki what the president, Trump, and, and President Putin were talking about, and this is exactly what they were discussing. They were discussing the uniform colors of the United States Space Force. Really? Okay? And they, yeah, that's exactly right. And, and Putin has made a tremendous offer, a very generous offer to supply us with our own uniforms that are going to be red, they're going to be beautiful. So basically, we're going to be going to space in the Space Force dressed up like Russian cosmonauts? Yeah, but there'll be American astronauts, Space Force cadets. Got it. Right. Got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. So what should people who are interested in joining the Space Force be doing right now? Very, uh, thank you for asking. I've been waiting all, all conversation to get to this point here. This is what everybody who's hearing my voice right now, if you want to go to space and you want to defend the United States of America and the America world, Earth is American. We all know that. You want to fight and defend America. You should show up at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue in Washington, D.C. I want you in your boots. I want you in your uniform, your space cadet uniform. You show us what you think it would look like, and then you show up there. Make sure you bring your space gear. You're going to need a helmet of some kind. Whether it's you got you got to bring helmet. your own helmet. Like, don't you need a yeah, special we, helmet to go to space? Look, look. Okay, that's what the mainstream media wants you to believe. Okay, they're not covering the story. They're not going to tell you the truth. They're going to tell you it's hard, that it's ridiculous, that it would cost trillions upon trillions of dollars, that nobody there's nobody to fight in space. That's what the mainstream media won't tell you. They're going to tell you there's nobody out there to fight. That's well, what they want you to believe. Well, isn't there okay? nobody out there to fight? I mean, you're talking about movies that were science fiction. Like, I, I don't think Do anybody lives on... Documentary films. Documentary films chronicling the Empire. You know what? Yoda, the brave Yoda, he knew 
He knew that war was coming. Hmm. Coming war is. <laughs> See, I would think that Trump would sympathize with Vader. Like, he's his type of guy and the emperor. You know, I think Palpatine would be right up uh, the president's alley. I think he'd admire him like he admires Putin. Yeah. Let me tell you something right now. Palpatine is weak, okay? He's weak. And what the whole empire needs, the galactic empire needs a leader, a strong leader like Trump. Somebody, you know what? The Martians, they've been forgotten. They're the forgotten people, okay? And they're going to be forgotten no more. All right. So I hear you then. So, okay. So people need to go to 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, bring your own space suit because we can't afford space suits, I guess, uh, in this country. Uh, thanks to the tax cuts, right? So, once, once the Martians pay for it, then we'll have proper suits, right? We're going to make the Martians pay for it. That's an uh, interesting, interesting thing. What else should people know about this thing? You know, I'm running out of time with you. I got a few more minutes left. What else do you want people to know about the Space Force? What, I, what the most important thing for your listeners to understand is that they should be tweeting about the Space Force all day and all night telling the president how smart of an idea this is, okay? Because I'll tell you right now, he's going to be on the feed, all right? He's going to be scrolling and scrolling. We're getting into prime President Trump's scrolling hour. Right. You know what I mean? It's all, you know, it's 10 o'clock on the East Coast. This is his time to start scrolling through. He's going to see what the uh, crackheads over at MSNBC <laughs> are saying. Uh, he's going to check in with Hannity, see what he should be saying. Right. And right now, he's going to be searching hashtag Space Force to see how much praise he's getting. So that's what the American people should be doing, is letting the president know that they support him. They support the USSF. The USSF. Okay? Space Force. Space Force. Do you think it's weird, though, that the president has sent out fundraising letters to all of his uh, people saying, hey, choose the logo of Space Force? Oh, I can't wait to see what the great people of America come up with for the logo of the Space Force. I'm thinking something along the idea of a Confederate flag, but with stars behind it, maybe a black hole. No, wait, no black holes. No uh, black you can't holes. have a black hole. No. Yeah, no black I mean, A white dwarf, maybe? A white dwarf planet sounds beautiful. Got it, got it, got it, got it. So basically what you're saying is it's going to be a lily white for fighting force. of So nobody from New York is what you're saying, even though you're setting up a recruiting statement at Times Square. That's right. I'm setting up recruitment places all over the country. The biggest one, of course, will be in Times Square, right there next to the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, the Marine Coast Guard, and the National Guard. There will be the Space Force. And I appreciate it if you would say Space Force with a little more pride. Space, Space Force. Force! Space That's Force right. coming That's at it. you Monday, Monday, Monday. Space right, Force. Well, look. Let me tell you right now, Elon Musk, we're coming for you, okay? Don't you think you're going to try and take beat us to the Space Force? Yeah, I mean, did you think that Elon Musk was forming his own private space army or something? I'll tell you right now, we're looking into it right now. We're not 100% sure what he's doing. The president has people looking into Elon Musk right now. He can't be trusted, this guy. He's over here trying to help people in Puerto Rico. We don't know why. There's no need for help in Puerto Rico. The president already fixed that situation. So something's up with that, Elon Musk. I wouldn't trust him. Well, it's good to see that America is trying to go boldly go where no man has gone before, uh, uh, Mr. B-Best, Captain B-Best, that is. That's right, Captain. And, and I, I want to thank you for your service to this country, and, and I want to thank you also for calling into the show tonight. Uh, where can people find you? You know what? If they just look up towards the sky and they look up there, just know that there's a little boy named Ender Wiggins, and he's fighting the 
the alien buggers, and he thinks it's a whole simulation, but it's real. It's all real, Chris. It's all real. Everything is real. Darth Vader is real. Luke Skywalker is real. It's all real. What about uh, the uh, Star Trek? Uh, Star Trek, is, is that real? Don't be ridiculous. Star Trek is ridiculous. That's like, come on. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> I hear you. That's science fiction. Science I- fiction. I hear you. I hear you. Well, uh, Captain B. Best, I really do appreciate you calling in tonight. Uh, this has been very informative to me. Uh, just like everything else President Trump does, doesn't seem like we have a solid plan yet of what we're going to do uh, to be best in space. You know what I'm saying? I do. We're waiting for Ivanka to weigh in, really, to be well, honest with well, you. I'm well, sure, I'm sure when she gets back from her factory in China, she'll have plenty of time. Uh, to, to, to help you with, be, with with this. So, Captain? Yeah, it's a shame. We were going to have her make the clothing, the uniforms, but she shut down her line just before we were going to go into production. Oh, you were so. going to go with the, the Ivanka collection on this. Yeah, basically. that was the original plan until she, you know, until she screwed that up. So yeah. who do you think is going to design the suits now? Well, right now we're just having everybody bring their own stuff, and we're going to see if Randy Quaid has any ideas. Randy Quaid's dead. Okay, okay. <laughs> we're going to go back to the drawing board, I think. All right, well, I think you got. I think you got a lot of. I, I think you got a lot of issues to work out. But I really appreciate the call. We'll we'll hear more from Space Force. Also, if you want to learn about Space Force? Follow at Joe Tex on Twitter. He's uh he's yeah, uh, Joe Tex online. Joe Tex online. online on Twitter. Uh, if you want to figure out more about Space Force, also you can also follow me at Christopher Hahn online. That is Captain B Best from the Space Force, and Space Force is coming to you. Look, America. We've got trillions of dollars of debt. Republicans always talked about debt. Now this president, in a year and a half, says we will have a new branch of our military. I don't get it. Anyway, I want to thank you all for listening tonight. Hope you enjoyed my little Space Force rant. Had a little fun with you tonight on that. And I want to remind you all to seek the truth. Question everything. Question everyone, even me. Seek the truth, America. I know it's out there, and I know you'll find it. And I'll be back here again next week to tell you the truth as I see it. I'm Chris Hahn. Thanks for listening, America. If we all light up, we can scare away the dark. Wish our weekdays away, spend our weekends in bed We drink ourselves stupid, and work ourselves dead And all just because, that's what mum and dad said we should do We should run through the forests, we should swim in the streams We should laugh, we should cry, we Chris Hahn Show podcast is recorded live at 103.9 FM in New York at Long Island News Radio. This podcast was sent to Face Off Unlimited headquarters in Astoria, Queens, and was edited by Joe Tex. Executive producers are Joe Tex, Jay Painter, and Eric Robinson. FOU Studios is a property of Face Off Unlimited, LLC. I'm Peter Hargarden, the senior producer of podcasts here, and on behalf of everyone who worked on the show, we'd like to thank you, the listener, for tuning in. Subscribe to catch all of our other podcasts here on the FOU Studios Podcast Network. To learn more about Chris and to find out about his upcoming television appearances, follow him on Twitter at Christopher Hahn and at ChristopherHahn.com. To learn more about FOU, connect with us via social media at FOU Studios and visit us at FOUstudios.com. The 
The Chris Hahn Show podcast is recorded live at 103.9 FM in New York at Long Island News Radio. This podcast was sent to Face Off Unlimited headquarters in Astoria, Queens, and was edited by Joe Tex. Executive producers are Joe Tex, Jay Painter, and Eric Robinson. FOU Studios is a property of Face Off Unlimited, LLC. I'm Peter Hargarden, the senior producer of podcasts here, and on behalf of everyone who worked on the show, we'd like to thank you, the listener, for tuning in. Subscribe to catch all of our other podcasts here on the FOU Studios Podcast Network. To learn more about Chris and to find out about his upcoming television appearances, follow him on Twitter at Christopher Hahn and at ChristopherHahn.com. To learn more about FOU, connect with us via social media at FOU Studios and visit us at FOUStudios.com. The Chris Hahn Show podcast is recorded live at 103.9 FM in New York at Long Island News Radio. This podcast was sent to Face Off Unlimited headquarters in Astoria, Queens, and was edited by Joe Tex. Executive producers are Joe Tex, Jay Painter, and Eric Robinson. FOU Studios is a property of Face Off Unlimited, LLC. I'm Peter.